Hey folks, this is Dr. Sam, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm actually in Los Angeles uh, visiting some friends, and I was uh, down in Malibu today, uh, staying with some friends up in the Hollywood Hills, and it's gorgeous weather here, just having a fabulous time in Southern California But I wanted to take uh, a little bit of time and uh, answer some questions. Uh, I've been getting a lot of amazing questions, and uh, so I thought that I would jump in and uh, let's get going. This first question is from Kate, and she is asking about a condition called lattice degeneration. And Kate is reporting that she's had several repairs by laser and she's recovering from a repair right now but she's still getting flashes of light and she's very scared about it I don't blame her Uh, Kate also says that um, she was asking if she could use the MSM eye drops this is a, a question I get a lot in terms of people who have had eye surgery can they use MSM eye drops so I'm going to address that and now she's uh She's experiencing some fluid moving around her eyes, and the surgeon is saying that um, it will eventually settle down, but he doesn't really know what this fluid is, and um, she's wanting to get back to her reading emails and and, uh, getting back to her computer, and she wants to know what can she do to help herself. She wants information on how to oxygenate her retina, and she'd also like some research. Wow, okay, lattice degeneration. Well, this is um, a condition that, of course, takes place in the retina, and the retina is the the back part of the eye, Um, and in the, uh, the retina, you know, and I've said this before, the retina has one of the highest metabolic needs of the body. And it's comprised of these really tiny blood vessels called microcapillaries. And the microcapillaries have a very specific function. What they do is uh, they, they, help, uh, they help our retina be able to... Uh, to metabolize the nutrients that we're getting, hopefully. And in doing that, it creates more of an oxygenating, hydrating situation of the retina because it's a very vulnerable tissue. And if it's not getting enough oxygenation or hydration, then it begins to uh, wear out. It can stretch. Um, There are things like retinal holes, retinal detachments, And in lattice degeneration, this is a condition where the retina is weakening, especially around the edges, like the peripheral retina um, is maybe thinning. Uh, Sometimes there can be holes, there can be detachment. And it also can relate to the interface between the vitreous, which is the jelly-like part of the eye that sits in front of the retina. And... In terms of the condition, uh, the the only way to really work with it allopathically is to do laser surgery. And what laser surgery does is it kind of uh, kind of 
compartmentalizes the place where the thinning of the retina occurs. So it kind of isolates the area of the retina so that it hopefully won't continue to thin and um, degenerate. Uh, obviously, lattice uh, degeneration is a, is a condition where uh, the laser surgery can be done multiple times. And as you continue to uh, do more and more laser surgery, it actually can weaken the retinal tissue even more. So it's basically a symptomatic approach to uh, trying to just keep the retina attached. And, you know, this condition is, is significant because, you know, in terms of being able to work with it holistically, um, we need to look at it in a couple of different ways. Obviously, you know, the symptom approach of using laser surgery sometimes needs to be done because if the retina is really thinning and it begins to pull away, um, this can cause flashes of light and, um, you know, eventually you can lose part of your vision. So it is definitely something that you want to stay connected to your retinal specialist. But what I want to offer are some things that maybe are a little deeper in, you know, more of a holistic perspective of the retina. As I said at the beginning, the retina has one of the highest metabolic needs of the body. And as we age, um, sometimes we don't get the same amount of nutrients that we need to. So secondarily, there are things like um, inflammation, uh, endocrine uh, issues, things like thyroid and adrenal problems that actually changes the biochemistry of the retina. And then, of course, visual stress. And um, Kate didn't mention myopia, but usually if a person has lattice degeneration, uh, usually they have at least two diopters of myopia. Uh, and myopia, and I've talked about in other videos, is kind of a, a, a tightening of the eyeball. Um, it's a tensing up, and it begins to, uh, in, in moderate to high amounts of myopia, actually can put you at a higher risk of developing you know, retinal thinning, um, retinal detachment, retinal hole, um, those kinds of things. So, you know, you have the laser surgery and then she's complaining about fluid that's still uh, moving around there. Hard to know what that is. One, one research study uh, that came out um, a few years ago was the benefits of using something called OCT. And this is an, an imaging test where you can actually look at different structures of the eyeball, especially the back of the eye, the optic nerve, the retina. And if she hasn't had this imaging test already, again, it's called an OCT, I would start there and see if, if the, uh, the surgeon can ascertain whether this is hemorrhaging, is it bleeding, is it uh, just you know fluid that sometimes will accumulate after inflammation, uh, sometimes it can also be uh, the vitreous, the jelly-like part of the eye. Um, you know, the, the vitreous is made of a material called collagen. And, you know, I've talked about in other podcasts how the vitreous is very susceptible to drying out as we age. And if it doesn't get the proper nutrients, 
This leads to either vitreous detachments or less serious uh, floaters. And, uh, you know, I think overall, uh, Kate, number one, I would uh, see if you could get this imaging test done to see what fluid is going on there. Number two, <clears throat> I would consider getting some acupuncture. Uh, now, in acupuncture, some of the things that I've observed is that especially if you're using acupuncture needles that are meridians that go to the eyes, you can actually use meridians that are in the legs and in the feet. So you're drawing the fluid and the energy away from the eyeballs. Um, and this can be kind of a, a really clever way to move fluid away from the eyes by opening up the acupuncture meridians. It's actually been quite uh, successful in my practice. And so if you find a really skilled acupuncturist, uh, I would consider that. The next thing I would consider is any inflammation that you have going on systemically, especially in your intestinal health. Uh, obviously stress creates more inflammation and more, more of an acidic uh, uh, climate. And it sounds like there may be some secondary inflammatory response still going on in the eyes. And this is where the MSM eye drops could help, using them four to six times a day with some very gentle eye massage might be able to uh, move some of the inflammation out. And of course, the eye exercises, you know, the, the end palm hum and, you know, the eye massage uh, could be very helpful, again, at increasing the lymph. So if you increase your eye lymph, sometimes you can move the fluid out. Again, this needs to be done very gently in a titrating fashion, meaning you're just doing a little bit of MSM and um, going really easy. I would consider foods and also supplements where you're really getting a lot of great antioxidants, so, of course, you've heard me talk about things like beta-carotene, uh, astaxanthin, lutein, zeaxanthin, um, the B-complex, uh, trace minerals like selenium, chromium, zinc, uh, and, and even um, other antioxidants like bilberry and taurine. Uh, this is where I might go to a functional medicine doctor and get assessed in terms of what's going on in your dietary absorption, your inflammatory response, your endocrine health, uh, because sometimes the eyes do reflect systemic and metabolic imbalances. And if your eyes are not healing, there's probably some secondary uh, systemic and metabolic imbalances going on. And then in terms of myopia, now I, I didn't hear or see in your email uh, about myopia, um, I think you need to be really um, aware of your refractive error. What's the prescription you're wearing in your eye? I would like to know that. I would begin having you wear a reduced prescription, especially if you're going to be using digital devices. I would be using blue blocking lenses for sure to protect your retinas from um, the damaging blue light. I would consider doing color therapy. So in color therapy, the colors that seem to help reduce edema and trauma and stress would be the green, the blue-green, the blue colors. Uh, these tend to work really well when you look at these colors for a few minutes um, every day. It can actually help 
heal some of the retinal surgeries that we do go through. So those would be the things that I would, I would consider in um, you know, looking at this situation. There isn't a whole lot of research out there on lattice degeneration. They really don't know the causes of it. I mean, I believe that, that there um, definitely are some nutrient uh, problems uh, going on. And as you increase the nutrients and you use MSM and you do the eye massage, these are ways that you can oxygenate the retina more. And getting things like acupuncture might also be helpful to you. So uh, I wish you the best of luck. It's definitely not an easy go, uh, but think about how can you start improving your retinal health. Next question, this is from Janet, and she's asking about a new eye drop on the market called Lumify. It is supposed to get the red out without the rebound effect. They use it in a low dose in glaucoma medication in which the eye drop clears the redness. Okay, well, let me just do a disclaimer that um, I, I'm not... Uh, uh, promoting Lumify. Uh, I don't sell it. Um, what I know about Lumify is that uh, it does contain something in it called benzoconium chloride. And this is a preservative that is found in other eye drops like Visine. Um, when I looked at the ingredients of uh, Lumify, I actually uh, was not uh, happy with what I saw. I think that, uh, you know, in any eye drops that you use, you want to be really careful that you don't have a lot of preservatives in it uh, and you want to know exactly what you're taking. Um, I did a video uh, not too long ago on um, looking at all the eye drops out there, especially the ones that are sold in the pharmacy. And every one of them actually um, advertise getting the red out, but because of the chemicals and preservatives uh, in the eye drops, uh, it wouldn't be something that I would use. I think that, uh, I don't know this eye drop. I know that um, when you're using some of the ingredients that are in this eye drop, you want to be careful that um, it doesn't dry your eyes out even more. And of course, this is a symptom approach. You know, when your eyes are red, there's some deeper issue going on. Now, it could be everything from um, allergies, uh, toxicities, uh, stress, um, metabolic imbalances. Uh, and so to do, be a detective and to look at what are some of the causative factors on why my eyes are red and look at it systemically and metabolically and then in terms of the eye nutrients that you want to be taking, you really want to boost your antioxidants. This is really important. So boosting the antioxidants, uh, doing my eye exercises which are really great at improving the circulation, being very mindful of the type of lens prescription that you're wearing, that it's not imbalanced or too strong or if you are using digital devices, make sure you're wearing some kind of a reduced prescription. You don't need a distance prescription when you're using digital devices. And make sure you're not using progressive lenses when you're um, you, you know, using digital devices. 
If your two eyes aren't working together, this can create uh, the eyes being red. So there are many, many factors. And when you start adding things like glaucoma medications, a uh, lot of side effects in those drugs, um, you'd be better off using homeopathic eye drops or an herbal formula that has eyebright in it or MSM eye drops. Um, try to go as natural as possible because uh, these um, preservatives and other chemicals that are in these eye drops uh, over time, they can do more harm than good. Well, thank you so much for the question. Next question. This is from Lori Ann, and she's from New York State. Hi, Lori Ann. And she is loving uh, the content that I'm putting out. She's trying to reverse her uh, cataract in her right eye. She's also uh, trying to reverse her astigmatism and her myopia. She has severe myopia that she's had since birth. And she wanted me to talk to her um, eye doctor, who is not holistic. And uh, uh, so what I agreed to do was uh, I, will, I will answer this question to you, Lorianne, and then if you want to play it for your eye doctor, totally great. If not, that's fine too. So in terms of cataracts, I have lots of resources on how to reverse early stage cataracts. I've had more success with early stage than moderate or late stage cataracts. A cataract is basically metabolic waste that accumulates in the lens of the eye. There have been studies that link oxidative stress and uh, imbalanced insulin levels to higher risks of developing cataracts. So, uh, Lorianne, I would start with your own insulin level, your carbohydrate metabolism, any vascular issues that you might be having, hypertension, diabetes, high blood pressure, um, that if you can, you know, address those issues, increase your dietary absorption, reduce sugar, gluten, dairy, you're going to be ahead of the game. I think that would be my number one without even having to talk to your eye doctor. Certainly, you could do the MSM eye drops followed by the Cineraria homeopathic eye drops. I think that would be another strategy that you could do on your own. And then, of course, making sure you're taking things like glutathione, um, vitamin C. These are really important for a healthy lens, uh, getting enough healthy fats and oils in your diet. Um, these, these would be a no-brainer in terms of the cataract. Now, in terms of astigmatism and myopia, you know, when we start wearing prescriptions that, and I'm going to say compensate us for the astigmatism and the myopia, because basically what an eye doctor does, I've done, I, I was trained in this way too, is I'm measuring somebody's uh, refractive error, their optics, and I give them the prescription based on what I'm measuring. And in my, um, in my holistic philosophy, I have found that if you start reducing lens prescriptions and doing eye exercises, you can actually reduce your dependency on the strong glasses or contacts that you've been given. Now, it's a process. It's not something that you're going to change overnight. Um, I define astigmatism as a twist in the eyeball, that the eye muscles that attach to the eyeball do not work equally. In other words, there's an imbalance in those six eye muscles which creates a twisting in the eyeball. And the astigmatism lens just locks in that imbalance in the eyeball. 
So depending on the strength of the astigmatism, one strategy is while you're doing your eye exercises to wear a prescription where there's no astigmatism and you would wear that in a non-demanding situation. So you don't wear it when you're driving or reading. You just start wearing the same prescription in each eye. I would probably go with a 20-40 correction. That means seeing uh, a letter a little larger than the 2020 um, letter size. And start wearing that, doing your eye exercises, and then you can begin to reduce some of the astigmatism and myopia. And the, the, um, the strategy is to find an eye doctor who can prescribe for you maybe these non-astigmatism lenses and a more balanced prescription. So those would be the ways that I would go with it. Um, you definitely can improve your vision at any age. You definitely can uh, reverse your cataracts. So um, get going um, and keep in touch and let me know your progress. And thank you so much for the question. Next question. Uh, this is from Yona. Hi, Yona. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And Yona's asking a question about Best's eye disease, B-E-S-T eye disease. And this is a form of macular dystrophy. It's heredity. It's hereditary. And it can be progressive. Um, I, I think it runs along the same lines as um, macular degeneration. The difference is, is that this is a condition that is based very much in terms of our uh, genetic predisposition. And there are different stages of, um, of best disease. Uh, but, but the key is uh, that what we want to do is we want to see if we can protect the macula. This is a disease that uh, causes, because of the mutations of the genetic expression, if we can begin to really boost our, um, our carotenoids, especially lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin, um, this would be a strategy that I would recommend. I also think that um, it's really important that you get enough fats and oils in your diet. I would eat a very clean diet, so that means no gluten, dairy, or sugar. I would um, consider doing my eye exercises as a way to reduce visual stress. You know, whenever we use our eyes for long periods of time, it does create stress in the eye muscles, the eye tissue, uh, all of the eye tissue, and we usually don't have a way to discharge the stress. And I can't tell you how many times when I start introducing eye exercises to people, and they do them for 30 seconds. And after the 30 seconds, they go, oh my goodness, things are so much brighter and so much clearer. So if you start disciplining yourself and doing these eye exercises a few times a day, every day, you're gonna to start to get rid of the stress that accumulates from using your eyes. It's very important that you wear blue blocking lenses because the blue light can definitely create more damage to the macula. I would wear ultraviolet protecting uh, sunglasses when you're outside. Um, 
and I would limit the digital device use. I mean, if I were you, I would do many more things out in nature and start activating your peripheral vision more. You know, the macula makes up less than 1% of the real estate of the eyeball. And when we have a macula problem, even though it takes up a tiny part of our, our vision, it actually, it, it gets our attention as it's the whole picture. And it's such a small part, especially if we start activating and accessing our peripheral vision. So one of the things that I recommend is something called whole body seeing. And that is whenever you're using your eyes, you wanna feel your body, feel your breathing, feel your body. Uh, one of the strategies we use is we have people sit on a physio ball while they're reading, while they're focusing, while they're using a computer, because that requires them to stay connected to their body. I would consider acupuncture, craniosacral therapy, homeopathy. Um, these would be some alternative complementary therapies that I would add so that you may have the best, best disease, but it fades in the background. In other words, it doesn't run the show. So you can still have it, but it doesn't dominate your vision and your consciousness. So thank you so much for the question. I really appreciate it. Next question. This is from Thomas. Uh, Hi, Dr. Pern. I just listened to your interview with Dr. Perlmutter. It's very informative. One question I have is sunglasses. Should I use them, not use them? Personally, I've never used them. My theory is they weaken the eyes. Can you comment, please? Yes, I can. Sunglasses are definitely something that you should have and use in moderation. You know, there's a very interesting debate that goes on about um, the sun and how sunlight is very healing for our eyes and our body. And it's very true that we need about 30 minutes of natural sunlight every day. We also need trace amounts of ultraviolet light. Uh, at the same time, if we're living in, in an environment, say like where I live in the desert southwest, and I live at altitude, I live at almost 7,800 feet, um, there are times when I use really well-made polarized sunglasses with ultraviolet protection. Um, I spend part of my time in Hawaii because I, I, um, I like to go out in the ocean and do a lot of swimming and I go on boats and things like that. And I have really wonderful polarized sunglasses, a neutral gray, moderate tint. I also do a lot of skiing. So when I ski up in Taos uh, or in Santa Fe, I'm up 10 to 12,000 feet. And we get those bright sunny days in, in New Mexico and sunglasses are very helpful in terms of reducing the glare. Also, if driving, if you're, if you're driving on a freeway and there's a lot of shiny objects, I think it's very helpful to wear a polarized sun lens with ultraviolet uh, protection. So I'm in the group of moderation. I believe that um, you know, it's really important to go without uh, uh, any lenses to get the natural sunlight. 
but I also think it's worth investing in a really good pair of polarized sunglasses, neutral brown, neutral gray, so that you have them in those moments when you want to protect your eyes, either from the ultraviolet or from the glare. Next question. This is from Linda. Linda, hi. Um, I'm, this is what she says. I'm experiencing a severe case of posterior vitreous separation, and there is no tear or hole. Do you recommend I use glutathione drops and or MSM to stop the visual disturbance? I am seeing a floating film, dots, and solid squiggles, and it's been going on for one week. I'm 62 years old, and I'm in good health. Thank you so much. Well, I talk a lot about uh, vitre the vitreous, which is the jelly-like part of the eye, and it's made of mostly collagen. And as we age, it can shrink and pull away from the retina. This is kind of a normal aging process. Uh, so it's very important that we attend to our vitreous health and our collagen health by really boosting all of our antioxidants. Certainly glutathione is one of those. You know, the MSM eye drops are a sulfur-based eye drop, and sulfur and glutathione kind of work together. Uh, so using the MSM eye drops with the eye massage, uh, using the eye exercises that improve the eye lymph, and then boosting your nutrients uh, so that you're getting a high degree of antioxidants across the, the board, the beta carotenes, vitamin C, vitamin E, fats and oils, um, and of course, lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin. For a vitreous uh, issue, sometimes I will add something called hyaluronic acid. This is actually found in certain skin creams to moisturize the skin. And the vitreous is uh, a sister because of the collagen connection. So maybe adding foods and or supplements with hyaluronic acid. I think at this point, you really need to address your diet. I don't know how you're eating, but I would go gluten-free, dairy-free, and sugar-free. Any ways that you can reduce inflammation, uh, increase probiotics, um, reduce visual stress. I think all of these things contribute to our vitreous health. And this is a process. It's going to take you maybe three to six to nine months where you start seeing changes. So it's not necessarily immediate, but I will say my eye exercises, uh, especially the ones that there's a 90-day program, Linda, that you could use uh, for improving floaters. So I would jump on that, get going, and adding these nutrients. And I think you have a good chance of, um, if nothing else, neutralizing the deterioration and maybe even reversing uh, the situation. So thank you so much for the question. This next question is from Julie, and she says, I don't have floaters or cataracts, and I'm interested in your MSM drops for farsightedness, lens rigidity. Does that MSM help with age-related lens problems? Okay, so when you talk about farsightedness, uh, what you're referring to is a functional uh, way that you're using your eyes where you're losing the ability to uh, accommodate using the ciliary muscles. These are the little muscles that attach to the lens of the eye. And so you lose the flexibility of the lens and you start wearing magnification lenses which actually accelerate 
the uh, rigidity in the lens and the lack of responsiveness in the ciliary muscles. So MSM eye drops by itself are not going to work on improving a functional problem in how you're using your eyes. I mean, I think that MSM eye drops can help in reducing inflammation, uh, moisturizing all the eye tissue, but it's not going to address the deterioration from the farsightedness. The best thing you can do is my 90-day uh, uh, eye clarity protocol for farsightedness. And if you go into that, it's about you know learning how to relax the eyes, to put sound into the eyes, to uh, do eye movements, to work with opposite lens prescriptions. So when you're farsighted, to wear a nearsighted prescription while you're doing your eye exercises actually increase, increases the muscle tone of those ciliary muscles inside the lens. Doing the eye exercises and moving away from the magnification lenses is the way to improve farsightedness. I think nutrients, uh, adding nutrients as well as a secondary, because if you have better cellular health, you're going to have better eye muscle responsiveness, especially those trace minerals like magnesium, selenium, chromium, uh, zinc. These are really important for eye muscle uh, flexibility, eye muscle responsiveness. Of course, you know, the other things I've talked about like beta carotene and the carotenoids and the antioxidants and your uh, fats and oils. But it's the eye exercises, um, Julie, is where you really need to uh, put your focus. No pun attended. So thank you so much for the question. Best of luck. This next question is very interesting. It's from Jean, and she, she's asking a lot of different questions, uh, so I'm just going to try to summarize this. She wants to know if MSM eye drops will help retinal health, and indirectly, the MSM eye drops will definitely moisturize all the eye tissue, reduce inflammation. Uh, as a sulfur-based eye drop, sulfur is the third most prevalent trace mineral in the body. Sulfur helps in its detoxification uh, function. So using MSM definitely will help all of the eye tissue stay healthy. She went to a craniosacral therapist who uh, alarmed her because the color of one iris was different than the other, and one pupil is smaller than another. You know, the way, the way it goes with these different um, observations is, are you having any symptoms? Are you having any light sensitivity, any deterioration in your focusing? Does your eyeglass prescription get worse every year? If you're not having, you know, these symptoms, then anatomical differences don't really make a big difference. And, you know, there's a lot of fear out there around our eyes, and understandably so. And it's important to note that you want to be empowered with your eyes and vision, that you can improve your eyes and vision at any age. And eye exercises, eating well, having a good lifestyle, um, reducing stress, if you do these things, you have a really good chance of not only keeping your eyes healthy, but also improving them. Now, in part of the, the, uh, the description, you're talking about how one eye is nearsighted and one eye is farsighted. 
Well, this does create a split in your brain. And this is where doing some eye exercises to improve your visual coordination would go a long way at getting your eyes to at least communicate with each other. You know, one exercise I would start with, uh, Gene, would be my eye dialogue exercise. That's using an eye patch and letting each eye have its own expression and journal it. This is on my website. And when we have one eye that's nearsighted and one eye is farsighted, usually the nearsighted eye is the reading eye. It pulls the vision in. And the farsighted eye pushes the world out, and that's more of your distance prescription. So when you start doing the dialoguing and doing the eye exercises, you can begin to get the eyes to uh, communicate and overlap in some ways. Uh, there's another question you have about iridology. So I'm not an iridologist. Iridology is the science and the art of reading the iris. So you take a photograph of the iris and it gives us a genetic blueprint that can give us indicators on what's going on in our health. So although I don't do iridology, I do know that things that we see in the eye can be traced to systemic and metabolic health. So if it's something that you're interested in, I would do some research, find somebody who has trained. Uh, one uh, iridologist who has a, has a big training, his name is Bernard Jensen. So you could look for his uh, lineage and people who've studied under uh, Dr. Jensen. Uh, he might be somebody or people that, who've studied under him where you could, uh, you know, where you could uh, get that iridology. You ask one other question about Alzheimer's. There are retinal scans now that sometimes can pick up Alzheimer's. I'm going to refer you to a, a blog that I wrote in Mind Body Green on ocular regeneration. And I want you to pay close attention to these four letters, B, D, N, F. And BDNF um, is something that the, uh, the, the brain researchers are looking at in terms of uh, brain regeneration. And so I would uh, take a look at that article. Uh, I also um, recommend, uh, there's, a, there's a doctor, uh, Dale Bredesen, and he's a specialist working with Alzheimer's disease in a very holistic way. So I would look for Dr. Bredesen's website. He's written a really good book on Alzheimer's disease um, using nutrition and other holistic methods. And I think it would be something for you to take a look at. So thank you so much for your questions. I really appreciate it. All right, this is the last question for today. This is a question from Ginny. And she's asking a question about secondary glaucoma. And this is, a, this is a great question because I get a lot of inquiries about, you know, open angle glaucoma and um, narrow angle glaucoma. But secondary glaucoma is usually uh, a side effect of some other uh, factor. So in terms of pharmaceutical drugs, if you're taking corticosteroids, this could actually lead to secondary glaucoma. Um, also, if you have 
some kind of inflammation going on in the eye, maybe due to injury or maybe a cataract surgery. Uh, this could actually cause secondary glaucoma. Any vascular disease, so things like diabetes, high blood pressure, um, uh, any vascular disease, either systemically or in the eyes, could also cause secondary glaucoma. In any glaucoma that you have, it's really important that you protect your optic nerve. And you do this by upping your fats and oils. Uh, there have been some research studies that, that link uh, good fats and oils with uh, protecting the optic nerve. There was another study put out how ginkgo was also uh, an important ingredient in supporting optic nerve health. Obviously, I would add um, all of your carotenoids and antioxidants. I would consider craniosacral therapy as a way to increase the circulation and the lymph in the eyes and the, and the head and the brain. Uh, I would consider acupuncture um, and maybe eating an anti-inflammatory diet, mostly plant-based. Uh, these would be some things that I would check off in terms of uh, if you've been diagnosed with secondary glaucoma. So Ginny, thank you so much for the question. And folks, it's been awesome. It's been an awesome ride today. I want to thank you again for all of your questions, your interest. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to meet me live uh, every Wednesday night, I'm on Facebook Live, uh, 6 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. Join me on one of these Wednesdays. Uh, we usually have a wonderful show. And uh, I'm going to sign off now. And until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademarked signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.